So we are heading into the fall, first Friday of September. And we believe God has powerful things that he wants to do in us as Grace Church and, and through us as Grace Church this fall. But as we've been talking over these last weeks, in order for that to happen, there are four spiritual rhythms that need to be in place in our lives in order to see God's full power unleashed in our lives and through our lives as a, as a, as a church. So four spiritual rhythms. Two weeks ago, we talked about the Word to have each of us reading God's Word and studying God's Word and memorizing and meditating God's Word, meeting God in the, in the truths of His Word. That's the Word. And then last Friday, we talked about the rhythm of prayer, that, that each of us can have at least one time every day where we're doing nothing else but just pouring our souls out before the Lord, thanking Him for His blessings, confessing our sins to Him, and interceding and pleading for His power to be poured out in our lives, our families, our home group, and this country, and then the nations. So prayer, the rhythm of prayer. And then this morning, I want us to talk about the rhythm of community. I'm praying that God will use his word to stir in each of our hearts a greater passion to experience Christ-centered community. That's what I want us to talk about this morning. So let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 to 26, to see what Paul teaches us about Christ-centered community. The question I want us to focus on is this. What does it mean to be part of the church? What does it mean to be part of a local church? And I want to ask that question because I would guess many of us think that being part of a church means going to church meetings. We think that that's what church life is. It's meetings. And let me hasten to say meetings are crucial. Glad we're all here meeting this morning. So meetings are essential. But God's word, I hope you'll see this morning, that God's word teaches that church life is more than meetings. It's more than attending meetings. In the New Testament, church life means being part of a community. It means being part of a group of people who love each other, who know each other. It means being part of a group of people who pray for each other, who eat meals together, who laugh together, who weep together, who disciple each other, who encourage each other, who speak truth to each other. It means being part of a group of people who, who work together to advance the gospel with their lost friends together. So church life in the New Testament is not just attending meetings, as important as those are, but the point is you can attend meetings and never experience Christ-centered community. I want you to see this. You could come here every Friday morning and be powerfully touched by God through the worship and through the preaching of the word. You can come here to a meeting every Friday morning, but never experience community here. It's possible to do that. And tragically, many followers of Jesus, that's their experience of church life. And if that's what's happening, if we're only experiencing meetings and we're not experiencing community, Christ-centered, loving, close, warm community, then we're not experiencing church as Jesus intended it to be. So listen, Grace Church, for us to be and to do what God is calling us to be and to do here in Abu Dhabi, here in the Middle East, we must be church the way Jesus intended it to be. It'll cost us, but it will be worth it all. 
worth it all. So what does it mean to be part of the church? In this passage, most of you know this, Paul uses the analogy of the human body. To be part of the church is like being part of a human body. And as I studied these verses, I saw Paul giving four specific statements, four of them, that describe what it means to be part of the church. So first of all, to be part of the church means being part of a diverse group, very diverse, who are united by drinking of the Spirit. Look at that in 1 Corinthians 12, verses 12 through 14. Here's what Paul says. For just as the body is one, united, and as many members, diverse, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, very diverse people. And all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but many. Now, in that culture, Jews and Greeks did not associate together. Slaves and free were not friends together. There were tremendous racial barriers, distinctions, class, cultural barriers and distinctions in that culture at the time when Paul writes this. But at that time, if you would have walked into a gathering of followers of Jesus Christ, if you would have walked into a church gathering, you would have seen Jews and Greeks embracing each other and loving each other. Shocking! You would have seen slaves and poor people eating together, laughing together, weeping together, sharing their lives together. Unbelievable! So what happened? What happened to make the church, God's people, so different in terms of overcoming those class barriers, those racial barriers, those cultural divisions? What happened? How did that take place? Look again at verse 13. Paul gives the answer. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, both. Slaves or free, both coming together. And all were made to drink of one spirit. So what overcame the class barriers, the racial barriers, the cultural barriers, was the work of the Holy Spirit enabling them to drink of the Spirit, and that caused them to be baptized and united into one body together. Now, how does that work in real life? Let me explain it like this. It all starts with what Jesus Christ did for us in his life and his death, and his resurrection, which we've been singing about this morning. Because Jesus died and paid for all of your sins. He was punished in your place. God's punishment fell upon him. If you're trusting Christ in God's punishment, instead of being poured out upon you in hell forever, it was poured out upon Jesus. He was punished in your place. So because Jesus was punished in your place, when you put your trust in Jesus Christ, and you trust him as your Savior, and you trust him as your Lord, and you trust him as your all-satisfying treasure, not only are you forgiven for all of your sins, not only are you reconciled to God, your Father, for the very first time, but you are enabled to drink of the Holy Spirit, Paul says here. You can drink for the first time of the Holy Spirit. See, all your life you've been thirsty. Not physical thirst, but spiritual, emotional, heart 
thirst all your life. And you've, you tried drinking from money, didn't satisfy. You tried drinking from career, didn't satisfy. You tried drinking from this pleasure, from fame, from nothing else satisfied. But when you put your trust in Jesus Christ, and he poured the Holy Spirit out upon you, and you, you were able to drink from the Holy Spirit, what that means is that the Holy Spirit makes the truth of Jesus real in your heart. So you don't just know about Jesus. You don't just know the truth about Jesus. You feel the truth of Jesus. And when you feel the truth of Jesus' beauty and reality and mercy and glory and power and kindness and goodness, his majesty, his royalty, when your heart is filled with the truth of who Jesus is, your heart thirsts are for the first time completely quenched and satisfied. And the joy that comes from that, when you see someone else who's also drinking of the Holy Spirit, no matter what race or culture or class or background they are, you're drawn to them and you love them. And those cultural barriers are overcome. Those racial barriers are overcome. Now, let me illustrate this. Let's have our helpers, four helpers, come on up and stand over here. Thank you so much. I've asked them to come to kind of act this out. So here they are, a very, very diverse group of people up here. And I want you to notice, notice that they aren't really connecting very well with each other, are they? No, there's, there's some trouble here. Notice there's barriers, there's, there's conflicts probably. Okay, now... Now, watch what happens when they drink of the Holy Spirit. Okay. You're trusting Jesus here. You're trusting Jesus here. Drink this. Here. Drink this. Drink this. Now, without me doing anything, watch what happens. This is amazing. Here we go. Okay, so they're drinking the Holy Spirit. Joy's coming. Oh, these, look at that. Look at that. These barriers are being overcome. Look. Oh, my goodness. It's a group hug. There it is right there. Okay. Let's thank them. All right. Thank you very much, actors and actresses, budding actors and actresses. But now search your heart. I mean, think about this. Racism is real. It's probably in all of our hearts to some extent. We need to deal with it. Class, pride, and bitterness can be very real. What's really in our hearts? But see, here's the beauty, and that is drinking of the Holy Spirit, having the Holy Spirit fill your heart with love for Jesus Christ, and having the Holy Spirit fill your heart with the love of Jesus Christ. You've experienced this. If you, if you know Jesus Christ, if you have been saved, you've experienced this. When your heart is full of Jesus, and you meet somebody else whose heart is full of Jesus, different skin color, different cultural background, different nationality, you are drawn to them. You love them because the joy and the reality of Jesus overcomes class, racial, cultural, ethnic barriers. This is so crucial, church, because this will glorify Jesus Christ. When someone walks in these doors or walks into your home group and they see men and women of different nationalities, different skin colors, different classes, loving each other and caring for each other, that will be shocking to people. There's divisions everywhere you go. Jesus overcomes those divisions. Jesus is calling Grace Church to be a place where corporate executives are prayed for by laborers. He's calling Grace Church to be a place where, where the home group leaders, where the elders are men from every nationality, culture, at least as many as we can, can get here. 
Hey, not, every, not everyone, but many of them, right? Where people of different skin colors and different nationalities love each other. That glorifies Jesus Christ. That's what it means to be part of church. And now for that to happen, what do we need to do? Drink of the Holy Spirit. And you don't just drink of the Holy Spirit when you're first saved. Every day, drink. You can drink multiple times throughout the day. You can drink this drink all day long, okay? Not a problem. Just keep drinking. And, and how do we drink? It's the first two spiritual rhythms. It's the Word and it's prayer. Because as you open up the Word and pray over the truths of the Scripture, the Holy Spirit will come and make those truths real in your heart and you'll be filled. You'll be comforted. You'll be strengthened. You'll meet the living Jesus in the truths of the Word. And then we will be in unity together no matter how diverse we are. That's the first description of church life. It's a group of diverse people. It's a diverse group who are united by drinking of the Spirit. Second, to be part of the church means being part of a group of people who need you in order to function. Look at that in verses 15 through 19. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? Now, there's lots of truth in these verses, but the, the one point I want to draw out from this is the church means being part of a group of people who need you in order to function. I mean, think about your body. Your body has many different parts, and each of them are crucial in order for you to function, for you to do what you want to do. For example, so take my leg here. Okay, this leg is part of this body. I need this leg in order to function, right? If I, if I woke up one morning and, and that leg wasn't there, I would miss it. I could tell it wasn't there. I'd have a harder time getting around, okay? It's a crucial, essential part of my body. And in the same way, you are a crucial, essential part of the body. To be part of church means to be part of a group of people who need you in order to function. Where if you're not there, you're missed because they, they need your function. Now, it's not that you're missed because they, they miss your administrative function. Let me just say, we are so thankful for all the people here who do administrative background things so that Friday morning can happen. Dozens of people working very, very hard. We appreciate all of you. But that's not what Paul is focusing on here. It's not that you're missed because you fill some administrative role. It's that you're missed because you fill some relational role with this group of people. They miss your love. They miss your prayer. They miss your faith and your comfort and your encouragement. You're relationally connected with them, and when you're not there, they miss you. You're a needed part. They're, they are less when you aren't part of them. So it's like your leg or an eye or an ear, 
And there's a body that needs you. That's just what it's like in the body of Christ. I mean, think about it. You're an eye for some body. You're a leg for some body. You're, 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 a, you're an ear for some community of brothers and sisters. And so if you're not connected with them relationally, then they're not be able to see as well or hear as well or get around as well. So, so ask yourself this question. Are you part of a group of people who need you relationally in order to function? Some of you would say, yes, by God's grace, I am. Others of you would say, to be honest, Pastor Steve, I don't think I am. All right. We're going to help you with that. Okay. Let's keep going, though. Third, church means being part of a group whom you need in order to function. That's verses 20 to 24. Here's what Paul says. As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker, and that's probably referring to our internal organs, so the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor, and our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. Okay, that's probably talking about our sexual organs there. But so notice, Paul says, the eye can't say, I don't need you. Okay, let, let's say you are an eye, all right? Now, if you're an eye... How effective will you be without being connected to a body so that like, there's a hand there too? If you're an eye with, with, with no connection to a hand, how effective will you be? You can see what you want, but you won't be able to get it, right? Just be a little look, all right? Or how effective if you're an eye with no, no legs? Okay, you can see where you want to go, but can you get there? No, you're just an eye. That's all you can do, okay? You, you need to be connected to a body with hands to get what you want and legs to move to where you want. You, in other words, need brothers and sisters around you in order to function. Now, take this hand. Let's say this hand says, okay, I'm just going to take a little bit of a break from the body here. Could you please just surgically amputate me? Just, I'm going to take a little break from the body here a little while now. Now, here's this hand there now. How effective would that hand be not being connected to the body? Well, I mean, it could like crawl around, you know, but I mean, it won't see where it's going, okay? Won't be able to get any nutrients, okay? And it'll end up, what? Dying, right? So don't take a break from the body. It's not very smart, okay? Stay attached to the body. That's what Paul wants to communicate here. Church means being part of a group of people whom you need in order to function. Do you have a group of people who you need in order to function? So I thought I'd share with you some of the ways I've experienced this just this last week in my home group. Here's how I experienced this. So I recently met with Tyler, okay, our worship leader. And I was sharing with him about our vacation and how, you know, I really didn't sense that anything I did was, you know, brought anybody closer to the Lord. There were some family members I was concerned about. And he reminded me of something that was so encouraging. He said, you were sowing seed. You've got to trust. Sometime we just sow seeds, which God will use later on. God used Tyler that night to encourage me. Very helpful. Wednesday night, we had Amy over for dinner. Amy's awesome. 
And God used Amy to strengthen me in my conviction. She was talking that, yes, we are, we are involved in spiritual warfare here. Not, not physical warfare, spiritual warfare. And we need to use every spiritual weapon God's given us. Love and prayer and other gifts God's listed in the scriptures. But that just, it's like, yes, we're spiritual, in spiritual warfare here. We need to use every weapon we have. Let's do that. That was very helpful for me. God used Amy to strengthen me with that. One more example. Monday night, I had a discipleship group with Kevin L. Hayek and David Bickerton. And as we shared our lives, and as I was just sharing about some things that have been going on with me, their words and counsel helped explain something that I'd been puzzling with, just something I'd seen in my own life. It's like, oh, that's what was going on. It was so helpful. I couldn't come up with it on my own. God used them. I needed them. And they served that role in my life. So see, my home group is a group of people I need in order to function. If I'm not relationally connected with them, then I'm like an eyeball sitting out there all by myself. Or like an ear. Okay? Or like a hand. Relationally connected. Do you have a group of people who you need in order to function? You're, you're, and you're relationally connected in with them. They're encouraging you. They're helping you. They're praying for you. That's church life, to have a group of brothers and sisters who you need in order to function. Do you have that? Not, not just a meeting you attend, as important as meetings are, but a group of brothers and sisters who you know and who know you and who you love and who love you and who you pray for and who pray for you. Do you have that? Fourth. Church means being part of a group of people who know and care about each person's sorrows and joys. End of verse 24, down through verse 26. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. Underline that word all, so important. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all, underline that word, rejoice together. So think about your physical body. If you stub your toe, it's not just going to be your toe or maybe your foot that hurts. Your whole body is going to feel the pain. Ah, right? Right? Okay, thank you, yes. And, and if you enjoy like some barbecue, some South African barbecue steak, it's not just going to be your taste buds that are going to enjoy that. Your whole body is going to enjoy that, right? Okay? And that's what church life is to be. This is astonishing. Think about this. If one member suffers, then all suffer. That's church life. So if you're suffering then church life means having a group of brothers and sisters, not just one or two brothers and sisters who know that you're suffering, but having a group, a community of brothers and sisters who all know that you're suffering and who are suffering with you. Do you have that? Church life means that if you're honored, it's not just you have one or two friends who are like, oh, that's awesome, who are high five, celebrating that with you. It means you have a, a group, a community of brothers and sisters who all celebrate that and rejoice with you. Do you see how that's what Paul is saying? 
It's right there. This is an, an astonishing level of love and closeness that very few people experience, but it's what church life is supposed to be. Now, for this to happen, this group of people cannot be too big, obviously, right? I mean, what size group can really know and care about each person's sorrows and joys? I mean, we're too big for that here on Friday morning, obviously, right? That can't happen here. We're just too big for that. So it's got to be a smaller group. It's got to be like a home group-sized group, right? So, for example, home group, our home group, this last Tuesday night, we heard about somebody whose family member had just lost a job, heartbreaking situation. We heard about somebody else whose rent was just raised. We were able to show concern, to pray, to be concerned about that. Someone else who just had a close family member pass away. And we, we all were able to sorrow and weep and pray and be concerned for them. And we also heard about some joys. Someone who just had his best friend visit and had a wonderful time with him. Someone else whose child had an awesome first day at school. And we could all celebrate that. And someone else who just had had a wonderful visit with parents. And so we, we all could rejoice with them. But see, that's church life. To be part of a group of people where when you are suffering, they all are suffering with you. And when you are rejoicing, they are all rejoicing with you. And that's what's happening with each of us. Do you have a group of brothers and sisters in Christ who are so close that they, they all know and care about each other's joys and sorrows. That's church life, as Jesus intended it to be. Okay, so we've talked about four descriptions of church life. First of all, it means being part of a diverse group who are united together by drinking of the Holy Spirit. It means being part of a group of people who need you in order to function. It means being part of a group of people whom you need in order to function. And it means being part of a group of people who are so close that they share in, rejoice in, sorrow in each other's joys and sorrows. So here's the question. How are we at Grace Church? We just said Friday morning's too big for this. So how are we going to pursue that? We need something more than Friday mornings. And every church recognizes this, and so every church has to wrestle with the question, how are we going to structure ourselves so that our people can experience full church life the way Jesus intended it to be? And there's lots of ways that churches do this. I mean, some churches do this through having, like, men's Bible studies and women's Bible studies. Some do this by having uh, Sunday school, I guess it's called Friday school classes here. That's, that's how some do it. Others do it by having like couples and singles gatherings, those kinds of things. And, and those are all fine ways. Those can all work. But, but we're persuaded that we think the best way is to do it through home groups. I've mentioned home groups a few times this morning intentionally. So here, here's why we think home group is the, is the best way to do this. A home group is a group of maybe 8 to 20 people who commit to loving each other in Christ and advancing the gospel together. It's a group of people who, who intentionally can commit. We're going to love each other, strengthen each other in faith, and advance the gospel together. They're a diverse group. 
okay, with children and olders and singles and couples. It's a diverse group, drinking of the Spirit together, united together. Home groups are not Bible studies, although we do study the Bible together. But we also worship together. We bear each other's burdens. We rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. We get evangelism training together. We, we, do, we disciple each other. We speak the truth to each other. We, we do bowling activities at all for son to, to advance the gospel with friends who don't know the Lord. So home group does all of those things. So this morning, I want to call you to become part of a home group. Become part of a home group. Now here's what we've got so far in terms of home groups. Let's get our, our map up there. So we have four, almost four home groups right now. So here's the, there's a Tuesday night group that meets in Mohammed bin Zayed City. And they are in the next six or seven weeks branching one out somewhere here, at, that's roughly the area, in Khalifa City. So are you guys meeting Tuesday nights? Do you have you just thought about that? You don't know yet. Okay, they're meeting sometime though. It'll be awesome. Okay, then we also have a Wednesday night home group that meets here in Shockwood City. And another Wednesday home group that meets here in the Officers Club area. And then we're also planning this fall to plant home groups up near the Corniche, over towards Yaz Island. And see, we'd like to see home groups, you know, planted throughout the Abu Dhabi area. That's our vision. We want more and more people getting the benefit of this kind of life-changing church experience. And by deciding to become part of one of our home groups, then you'll be helping us Pursue the vision, because you'll be helping us then multiply home groups out throughout the different areas. Now, what if you travel a lot, or if your schedule just doesn't fit any of the times that our home groups are meeting right now? I know there's some of you, that's exactly what's going on. Don't let that hold you back. Okay, here's, here's why. Talk to whichever home group leader is leading a home group that's nearest to where you live, and share with him, I'd like to connect to your home group. I can't come on Tuesday nights or Wednesday nights but I'd like to try to come when you have other activities. And I'd like to see if I can become part of a, like a men's discipleship group that's part of your home group or a women's discipleship group that's part of your home group. We have those as well. So even if you like work Tuesday nights and Wednesday nights, you can't come to either of the Tuesday or Wednesday groups, you can still be connected to a home group relationally in other ways and still get much of the benefit that will come. So don't let the fact that you travel a lot or that you, your schedule doesn't work with the two nights we're meeting right now, don't let that hold you back. Become part of a home group. That's what I want to call you to do this morning. Now, it will not be easy. It's awkward walking into a group of people who are these people. I don't know them. That's, it's awkward for all of us, okay? But just, just do a lot, drink before you go, okay? Okay, just do some serious living water drinking before you go. And, and the Lord will meet you. The Lord will bless you. So it'll be, it'll be a little awkward, feel a little awkward, but they will love you. They will embrace you. It'll be a rich time. It'll also be costly time-wise. We want to be clear here. It, it, it'll cost you time-wise. But I promise you, it will be worth your time. There's a way for your busy schedule. There is a way. This is church the way Jesus intended it to be. He saved you. You're part of church. He will show you a way for you to experience church life as he's intended it to be. It'll happen. Think about it like this. Every animal has been created by God to thrive in some particular habitat, right? So fish were created to thrive in what? 
water, okay? When fish are in water, they are happy. They're just like fishy, doing their fish things, or gills, oxygen, food, all that kind of stuff, okay? So fish thrive in water. That's their natural habitat. As a believer, your natural habitat is Christ-centered community. That's what Jesus has created for you. That's what he wants church to be. It's not just meetings, as crucial as meetings are. It's being relationally connected with a group of brothers and sisters who commit to loving each other, caring for each other, and advancing the gospel together. What happens to a fish when it's out of water? It's not good. What happens to a believer when they're out of their natural habitat? It's not good. I plead with you. Carve out the time to be part of a home group. It will be costly, but you will be so glad that you did as you watch what happens when you're finally back in the water, swimming away to your heart's content. Okay, let's stand together. Father, I pray that this morning, by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would use your word to remove excuses, um, obstacles to experiencing this kind of church life. I pray, Lord, for any here who've been hurt in this kind of a setting before with close Christian friends. They've been hurt and they've said, I don't, I'm not going to experience that again. I'm just going to start holding back. Lord, touch their hearts now. Help them see. And you, you've, you've wept with them over that, but Lord, you have more for them. Don't let anything hold us back as a church, as individuals, from experiencing all that you have for us. We want to experience church life the way you've explained it in your word. So strengthen us in this. Help us in this, God. I pray that, that this fall, we would see more home groups branched out. Corniche area, towards Yaz Islands, Shockwood City, Khalifa, Mohammed bin Zayed, Lord, Mustafa, all these areas. Plant more home groups, we pray. So Lord, bring your power upon us right now. We give ourselves to you. Strengthen us. Change our hearts where they need to be changed. We want to be obedient to you. In Jesus' name.